WMPG. My name is Dr. Anne, and this is Safe Space, a show devoted to subjects that are hard to talk about because they make us feel afraid, ashamed, or vulnerable. This show tonight is part of a series I'm doing on the subject of bad mother anxiety. And my guest tonight is Dr. Amy Gottlieb. Dr. Gottlieb is Assistant Professor of Medicine and, and OBJN at Brown University. She's the co-director of an organization called Mom Doc Family, a large mentoring network of women physicians who are mothers. Dr. Gottlieb is married to a physician, and she also has one 12-year-old daughter. Welcome to Safe Space, Amy. Nice to see you. <laughs> I want to start out by defining our terms. What, what is bad mother anxiety? That's a great question. When I think of bad mother anxiety, I think of the pit in one's stomach that uh, a mom feels when she, f when she is concerned or fears that she's not doing enough or doing the right thing. Yeah, and so when I asked you if you'd be a guest on the show, you said yes, like right away, it seems like you know that pit. Yes. Yes, don't we all? And so I want to ask you, for you... Um, what makes you visit that place? What, 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 is, what are the sources of bad mother anxiety for you? Well, I think that, um, you know, I define myself as, as a member of the community of mothers in general, and more particularly of the community of, um, of women physicians who are parents. And I think um, we all, both groups, uh, experience bad mother anxiety in, uh, in similar ways. However, women physicians um, as a whole experience years of demanding medical training and what I'd like to call self-sacrifice, but what typically becomes the sacrifice of parenthood in order to, to not just succeed, but really just get through. Mm -hmm. And when I hear you say that, I think about it in two ways. One is sacrifice of parenthood maybe because the training lasts so long that mm -hmm. by the time they're done, they have trouble with infertility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or they have kids early and then they're not there. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to hear you. I know you had a child during your training. I'd love to hear you talk about what, what, what was that like? Well, it was, um, I think it's something I'm still processing. I uh, had my, my wonderful daughter when uh, I was in medical school, and that's a, unusual. Um, uh, you know, the data show that, um, that uh, you know, many women defer, defer child rearing uh, beyond that early training stage, but I did. And uh, consequently, when I went into uh, my later training, my residency, uh, which was easily a hundred hours a week, a week, oftentimes going for two days without seeing my daughter. Um, that was an extremely painful time because I wasn't around. And uh, as I think most women do, most mothers do, I managed as much as I could from afar, but uh, I missed out on a lot. Mm. And so when you say that, what do you think of like what are the when you say you know I sacrifice parenthood like what are the things that come to mind that you well i i i I know that now um my daughter was was uh had just turned two when I started my medical residency and uh and was five when I finished and when I look at photos of her now at age three i I don't remember where they were taken or even what she looked like at that age. And it's still very painful. 
Yeah. So there's so much sadness about that. Yeah. Do you also feel angry about having had to do that? Well, it's an interesting question, anger, because I think at the time, I know at the time, I was very angry. I think I was angry for, you know, three solid years. But I think that that was more of a coping mechanism. I don't, I, when I look back, it really wasn't anger. I think it was longing. Hmm. And so, and I'm not angry now. I'm angry in a global sense. I'm gl- angry that, you know, it's 2009 and we working women, it's not just women in medicine, have to make these sacrifices. And I think we make them much more, or we feel the sacrifice perhaps more than um, our male co-parents. Um, but I, I think I'm more sad about that experience than angry. Yeah, hearing you use the word longing. I can so picture it. Plus, on top of it all, you were probably exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there you are. Your your child is two to five. You are at the hospital. What were the ways that you found to get through that? I mean, did your husband bring her in to mm. have meals with you? And such a, such a good question. I, I think. Um... It was a very lonely experience, and the good news is, is now, you know, the power of, of numbers, more than, you know, half med school graduates now are women, and women are having children uh, in, in, in residency and early careerhood and in uh, leaps in, in huge numbers. And so I think there's more of a community now than there was when I did my training, which was, you know, 15, 10 to 15 years ago. So it was very isolating. And um, were there any other women residents in your program that were moms? No, there were women who by the end of their training were pregnant. But um, I believe I was the only woman who had a child. That in itself is huge because I I know that going before your mom, you think that you get what it means to be a mom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You think you understand it. Mm -hmm. But then once you're a mom, you realize like you didn't have the slightest clue Mm -hmm. what it was to be a mom when you weren't one. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine that your peers had no concept of what you were trying to hold. And I think that, um, I think that that's, that's probably true. I, but again, I, I, I don't, I don't harbor any, um, resentment about that because I think that until one is a parent, as you said, it's, 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 uh, inconceivable, the love, the power, the draw, the longing that, that one would fe- one feels. Right. It wasn't their fault that they didn't right. get it. I was they right. But it's, but the truth is they couldn't get it. Right. I know that was certainly true of me. Right. When I was a resident and I did have a peer with a child and two peers with children. And I look back and I, I feel regret at how unsupportive I was to them because I just had no concept. Right. And it's interesting because one of my um, co-direct, my co-director for Mom Doc Family, the uh, the uh, peer mentoring network uh, for women physicians who are mothers, talks about the first conversation that we had when we we had known each other actually in college. Uh, she and I are the same uh, same same year uh, in undergrad, but we met uh, one night on call in uh, residency when I was a first year and she was a, a, in her last year. And she, I said, she was pregnant. And I said to her, well, what are you going to do about childcare? And she tells the story about how, you know, she had it never he, had even dawned on her that she wouldn't be able to get something set up very quickly. And because, you know, until you're in the world of parenting, planning, I think, has a whole different meaning. <laughs> right. Because you need that child care to be in place. Exactly. Right. right. So she, right, she had, she just hadn't 
she didn't know. It was a whole new world for her and how that was kind of her entree into becoming a mother in the way that I think the motherhood has so many definitions and and uh, one one important part of that definition is a manager, really, you know, a manager of somebody's precious life. Right. It's enormous responsibility. Yes. I think in some ways that's what feeds bad mother anxiety is this feeling of, oh my gosh, exactly. I am so responsible right. for this person who's dependent on me. Yes. And it can feel overwhelming. It's interesting because being a doctor in, in some ways is a similar level, mm-hmm. feeling responsible for someone's life. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that your training as a physician helped you manage that kind of anxiety about being that responsible for someone else? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was, okay, so tell me more about that answer. <laughs> because I think as a physician, it's a great question, but I think as a physician, one um, clearly, particularly I'm an internal medicine physician, so a lot of my training involved managing acutely ill patients who uh, were were dying right in front of me. And in many, certainly in my latter years of training, I was one of the senior people in charge and uh, overnight, for example. And it's a not it's not an emotional experience. I mean, it's an emotional experience taking care of patients, I think, before and after that type of acute event, but not in the instant. Uh, it's uh, it's autopilot in many ways if one is lucky enough to have this you know been trained and have the skills whereas i think parenting it's always emotional it's uh it's never road it's never autopilot i wish it were sometimes but right just when you figure out what you're <laughs> supposed to do at this stage then they're in the new stage exactly exactly yes and, and of course there's you no were... code algorithm for uh right and you know, of course you were a parent before you became a doctor so in fact do you think it was the opposite do you think that being a parent actually helped you cope with the kind of authority that you have to inhabit as a doctor? I actually think that it's not so much the authority, but being a parent certainly informed me in terms of the importance of the family in patient care. And I remember when I was in training, uh, I was on a, uh, a rotation where we were on the postpartum floor of um, the hospital where um, the university where I trained and our job was to go around and take care of women who had medical complications of pregnancy and um, the first day that I rounded with the team I the first stop I made when I walked into the room was to go and pick up the baby Um, and my attending uh, physician the senior physician commented excuse me commented on that 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 was very humanistic and, you know, how did you learn to do that? And, in fact, it wasn't that I was taught. He was complimenting me, but it wasn't right. a learned skill. It was because I was a mother and you walk into a new mother's room and the first thing that you do is fell over the baby. Right. <laughs> Can I please hold the baby? That's right. It's a way of celebrating. Way of celebrating. And, in fact, I think the mom, no matter how sick she is, wants, wants celebration over her newborn. Right. Right. That makes so much sense. This is WMPG. My name is Dr. Anne, and this is Safe Space. I'm talking to Dr. Amy Gottlieb about bad mother anxiety and how being a physician and a mom at the same time uh, feeds it, <laughs> affects it, how, how those two things, being a mother and being a physician, have such a profound relationship on each other. Um, I want to shift gears now a little bit and talk about uh, a third factor, I think, that plays into bad mother anxiety, which is just the, I think, the almost universal instinct that we have as mothers to try to do it better for our child. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to ask you, were there ways that you as a mom 
really had certain things you so badly wanted to do differently or wanted to do mm-hmm. for your child. And I wondered if you could tell me about that. Of course. And I think um, all of us uh, harbor those those goal, um, those wishes and desires. And for me, it was I, I particularly because I have a, a female child, I have a daughter, I really wanted her to have her own voice and to always um, feel listened to. And, and our mantra, my husband was a real co-partner with me in this uh, in this effort. From the time our daughter could babble, not even speak, our line was, tell me more. And and I think that that's, there, there's a lot of power in those, in those words. And now that she's 12, she's a uh, just really confident in her uh, in her thoughts and and her feelings. So is that a way that you let yourself feel like you were a good mom? Oh yeah, that's great to that hear. That brings a lot of joy to me. Yeah. So often it's hard to really let ourselves, I think, take the credit and feel like you know that I did that right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there's a generational piece to that. I'm curious. Do you think your mom struggled with anxiety about whether she was a good mom? You know, that's a really good question, too. And I, 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 th- I think that as a generation, my mother's turning 70 this year, and as a generation, hers was um, not necessarily prone to such insight. And that for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is there wasn't so much popular press around about it. Right. I mean, the number of parenting books, I think they had like Spock. Mm-hmm. And you know a few other. And some it was like one for or two. Dan feminism, and then you're done. <laughs> right. There wasn't. You know. Now there's an explosion of mm-hmm. parenting how-to books that can that have often diametrically opposite mm-hmm. recommendations. So it's so confusing. So she was spared that in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so you feel like do, in some ways you you feel you suffer from it worse than her. Well, I think that I think I think it's complicated. Um, there certainly are, as you put it, a competing philosophies, an abundance of co- competing philosophies and how-to books available to mothers in our generation, and that were not our mothers were not victimized by. Um, but on the other hand, that that abundance of awareness breaks the isolation that I think our mothers probably felt in their uh, in their own domestic existences. Right. So they were stay-at-home moms, kind of alone raising the kids. And... Or in my mother's case, a working mother who still did, who like all of my colleagues and women I mentor and, you know, many of them, I should say, not all of them who work full-time and still run the home. So she had that same experience. And right. So was she helpful to you when you were trying to juggle this? Um, I, I think I think from afar she was, but you know, as is typical again, demographics. I lived very far away and didn't have a whole lot of time to really talk about it when I was when I was in the weeds. I mean, it's no surprise that now when my daughter is twelve and I'm done with my training, I'm in a position to co direct a group like Mom Doc Family because I have the time to do that, to reach out to other people. Right. Well when you say you have the time <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you have the time. <laughs> right. I mean it's just it's just very interesting that she she struggled with it too and I think um so often, like when you say that that was what was so what's been so painful for you is to feel like you missed out on mm-hmm. that time, that two to five. Um, did you feel that when you were a child that your mother wasn't there for you enough? Well, see, I, I don't I don't remember feeling that way. In fact, I think that one of my positive role modelings uh, role 
role modeling from my mother is even though my mother worked and raised a family in a in a community where she really was one of the only women doing so, she was still always at my sporting events and my theatrical events. And I, you know, when I'm when I'm being kind to myself for that period of three to five for for my daughter, I I remind myself of you know the of, of the incredible uh, lengths I went to to make sure that I was around, like you know chaperoning the trip to the fire station after being up for two straight days and showing up and having all the photos in the school yearbook of me and my scrubs with my hair a mess. But I was there, right? And I think that she provided that role modeling for me. That's so powerful that you had that. I think so many women docs our age d- didn't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is WMPG. My name is Dr. Anne. This is Safe Space. And I'm talking to Dr. Amy Gottlieb about bad mother anxiety and the impact of working as a doctor, how it feeds that. So I want to shift gears now, and I want to talk to you more about mom doc family. Mm. Tell me a little bit more about what, what it is and what you try to do. So MomDoc Family is a statewide organization of women physicians from all specialties and levels of medical training and uh, career who, um, an organization that, that brings these women together and to, to help each other both professionally and personally. And so right now we have a membership of about 160 women. We span Rhode, Rhode Island. Island and Southern Massachusetts, and we communicate. And it, you know, it's uh, it's uh, no surprise. Most of our communication is online. We have a very large listserv, and uh, we gather four times a year. But it's usually not the whole group because busy working moms uh, don't have don't always have the time. And really, what I've found is that this organization which started as a grassroots effort by, not myself, by two colleagues of mine, women physicians with kids who felt like they were going through this, the challenges of trying to be a good doctor and a good mother in isolation. And they wanted to share their experiences to help others and to take from others uh, help and, and advice. And it's grown. It's really a tremendous organization of, of wonderful Wonderful women physicians. And are you involved also in advocacy, like trying to change the system so it's more supportive of women? So, um, yes. I mean, in many, in, in several ways. One is, is that uh, within the organization, we have subgroups with various interests. And one of my interests is uh, contract negotiations. And um, other, there are a variety like family of, medical leave maternity leave, that kind of stuff. But also part-time work, et cetera. And so we, as mom-doc family, try to change the system one doc at a time. But then on a global um, level, many of our members, myself included, have been actively involved in in our respective institutions with trying to establish parental leaves, et cetera, policies. Right. That's so great. And so are there younger physicians in the pipeline that are in training, that are in internship, Mm -hmm. that reach out to you for support because they're in that same longing experience absolutely that you and the thing is is that w- one of the one of the aspects of mom doc family which i most uh, respect and embrace is that this uh, succeeding or balancing which is kind of the the buzz term now balancing being a mother and a professional um, in this case a, a physician a lot of it is just sim- simple systems work so choosing the right 
the right specialty to go into if you want to have a family choose you know choosing the right venue you know if you if if you have small children and you have family who are willing to help choose a training program or a or a first time job near your family and and the challenge is is that in in the medical profession which is behind the times a little bit i think in terms of the business world this type of career advising now is getting a lot of um, play but it's taken a long time coming and i'm also involved with that. It's also striking to me to hear you say, though, you have to choose the right specialty. So in other words, if I want to be a neurosurgeon or an orthopedic surgeon, all the surgical specialties really are not supportive of having family time. I mean, is that really what your advice ends up being to people? Because there are so many women with dreams of being surgeons. Well, I think that you can uh, have it all, but not at the same time. And uh, some and and life's about choices. It's not just for women in medicine. I think it's for, I think it's for humans. And yeah. and it's uh, what it comes down to is is trying to establish priorities early on, and that's hard to do when I work with with medical students and trainees. I mean, we're not really taught to think long range. But if having a family is important, uh, maybe being a neurosurgeon becomes second. And if not, then it becomes first in child rearing, at least at this stage in the medical community. Right. It's just the reality. It's the reality. Yeah. I mean, my understanding is that even though neurosurgery is still largely the province of men, actually the divorce rate is extremely high in neurosurgery. I mean, it's so, it's inimical to families, period, mm-hmm. as I understand it. And that's there. They're obviously needing to grow there. Although the interesting thing about this, so so the there's so much literature written in, in the academic literature as well as the lay press in about, uh, about career choice. And I will say that um, as more and more women begin to populate the field, some of these old times. Right, exactly. It has to change. Yeah. Right. That's so hopeful. So I want to talk a little bit more about the impact of your medical training on your mothering. And in particular, I want to ask you about what it was like for you to to be a mom when you had been exposed to so many negative health outcomes. And do you feel like it made you more fearful as a mom? Absolutely. Yes, without question. And and I think, I think the anxiety is all uh, intertwined because... Having not been around for so many years during my medical medical training when my daughter was young, and I think unconsciously and sometimes consciously compensating for that, in addition to knowing the worst. And I mean, I work with my area of academic interest besides mentoring women in medicine, women who are parents, is in uh, violence against women, and so uh, integrating that with being the mother of a daughter is uh, is sometimes incredibly tra- trying and, and difficult. I can imagine you see a lot of scary things yes. happening. Yeah. You mentioned some, a parallel between the world of kind of domestic violence and um, parenting, and you talk about conspiracies of silence mm-hmm. and how you're very committed to speaking about unspeakable subjects. And tell me how that applies to parenting. So I think that um, one of the wonderful aspects of organizations like Mom Doc Family is that it breaks this conspiracy of silence, this isolation that I keep referring to that I think generations of women who preceded us uh, experienced and witnessed. And like in, in, in domestic violence, part of the re-victimization is really the isolation of the experience. And so through, um, commun- through public awareness, speaking out, and community organizing, all the things that, that we're doing with 
with women survivors of 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 partner abuse in many ways has analogies i think to uh to what we're do, trying to do for for women physicians um, who are parents so I want to ask you about that because my own experience as a medical student was that when i there was a culture of invulnerability that everybody was trying to be smart and good and try so hard. And it was very rare to find medical students who would talk about being scared, Mm -hmm. being sad, anything that had to do with their own vulnerability. And Mm so do you find that when you're connecting with other women physicians who are moms, that they're willing to go there and be really real with you? Absolutely, because motherhood breaks all that down. It's really hard to, I think, retain that level of false ego after, you know, your child has vomited on you all night. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually great to hear that because I was a medical student before having becoming a mother. Yeah. Such a relief. So people, because I remember one very painful discussion I had early on in my time as a mother where I was struggling with it and I confided in a physician, a mom, Mm. and she said, oh, no, not me. I'm loving every minute of it. Mm Mm-hmm. And it felt like a very shaming, kind of almost hostile thing right. to say. Well, I will say that I think that that type of response is is definitely out there, and it's not just specific to medicine. I think that that perhaps there are super women, more power to them, who find motherhood just a walk in the park. I, I, my guess is that those women are very few and far between, and the ones who are professing to be that way are are in denial. It's <laughs> <laughs> a nice way to put it. I sometimes wonder whether people who are drawn, women who are drawn to medicine will have a harder time as mothers, because maybe they're drawn to medicine because they want to be in control, control of things. And being a mother is so much... I mean, I had a fantasy before I became a mother that... It was it, obedience and discipline, and that mm-hmm. you were in control of your children. Mm-hmm. And I think my experience of being a mother is how out of control one, one, how much of the time one is out of control. And do you think that's true? Do you think that women who are drawn to medicine, or just anyone drawn into medicine, likes control? I think they do, but I also think, um, in general, um, people who are drawn to medicine are also incredibly empathic and compassionate, and those are important, very important ingredients to being a good parent. So. In most cases, they weigh outweigh the control, the needs to control. I'm glad to hear you say that. <laughs> so you're a very physician-positive stance. I am because I, I, I interact with these 160 women on a regular basis, and I'm consistently amazed and inspired by, by their incredible mothering and their incredible honesty. Now, it's a self-selecting population, clearly. but. And so what are the forms? So you talk about wanting to reduce isolation, which seems to me to be so important because it's within isolation that we blame ourselves. It's within isolation that anxiety grows, mm-hmm. that we feel ashamed. How do you foster that that honesty? Because that's so rare that we have a place. I mean, in some ways, this whole radio show is about that, mm-hmm. creating a forum where people can be so honest about difficult experience. What have you learned? How do you build a community of honesty among women? I, I think it's a domino effect. It takes one person, maybe if I'm not being naive, if I'm if I'm trying not to be naive, 10 people, to say, you know what, this is really hard. This is what I experienced. And if you're experiencing it too, let's talk about it. Let's share it. Um, it's not much different than, than, than being a good doctor, really. I say, say more, what do you mean? Well, I think, I think what makes, this is my definition of what makes a good doctor, is uh, somebody who has that bridge to empathy, and oftentimes the bridge to empathy is, um, is 
recognizing and thinking about and experiencing one's own um, walk along maybe a similar path that a patient has has had and and if not a similar path maybe the path of a friend or just really trying to reach into one's own life as a physician to gain insight into what one's patient might be feeling at the time right so important so you offer that. So I find myself wishing I lived in Rhode Island. It could be part of MomDoc. You can. <laughs> We're trying to expand. So tell me a little <laughs> bit about that. Are there other organizations in other states that are doing this too? So um, to our knowledge, no. Uh, and really our goal for MomDoc Family is to, is to extend our reach nationwide because I... And my co-director and I and our advisory board, I think I can speak for all of us, really feel that this is a resource that can help um, propel women physicians to be more satisfied with their professor, professional and personal life. Do you also support lives. people in their in their career ambitions? Is it is absolutely? It so it's not just to support you as moms, but to support you, you know, career. The ambitions. old the old boy network just kind of refaceted, and uh, and uh, it's a powerful thing. So if someone wanted to find out more about Mom Doc Family, do you have a website? How could they find out about? We you? do, and I apologize because I should have brought my website. But I will say that um, we have a website that is sponsored by um, Brown University uh, Office of Women in Medicine, and so. Um, Googling that, Brown University Office of Women in Medicine, Mom Doc Family uh, link is on that website. Dr. Amy Gottlieb, thank you so much for being my guest on Safe Space. This is Dr. Ann and WMPG. If you have a request or a future subject that you'd like to recommend, please email me at drannwmpg at gmail.com. That's dr.annewmpg at gmail.com. My thanks tonight to Goober for mixing the sound and Maurice Lennon for the music. Coming up next is Money Talks with Allison. <laughs>